Hello and welcome back to Endopod. If you're new here, hi, my name is Hepsi Xavier and I'm a third year medical student. Today we're going to be talking about the effect of exercise on the endocrine system. We will focus on the thyroid gland, adrenal glands and the pancreas. It comes as no surprise that exercise is physically demanding on our body. It leads to many adaptations both quickly and slowly over a long period of time. So let's have a look at those changes from an endocrinological perspective. First, let's talk about the thyroid gland. Under normal conditions, the thyroid gland secretes thyroxine, also known as T4, in response to stimulation from thyroid-stimulating hormone, or TSH, which is released from the anterior pituitary gland. Thyroxine is then converted to triiodothyronine, or T3, which is an active form of T4 and works intracellularly. These thyroid hormones allow maintenance of body weight, temperature, muscle strength and mood, and hence are integral to a person's overall health. Now that we know the normal physiology of the thyroid gland, let's look at what happens to these hormones when we exercise. Thyroid hormones increase heart rate, blood pressure and alertness during exercise. This allows the body to increase cardiac output to supply skeletal muscles. Studies have found that maximum high-intensity exercise at around 90% of the maximum heart rate lead to an increase in free T4 and TSH levels, but the levels of T3 start to decline at this point. They also play a role in thermoregulation and regulate body temperature according to stimulus. A lack of thyroid hormones can lead to hypothyroidism, which can have widespread effects on the body including hair loss, obesity, depression and more. Studies have found that aerobic exercise works to increase the level of thyroid hormones and TSH, and hence can be valuable in maintaining our overall health, especially in hypothyroidism. This includes swimming, cycling and jogging. Next, let's talk about the adrenal gland. The adrenal gland is composed of two parts, the cortex, which is the outer part, and the medulla, which is the inner part. The adrenal cortex has three layers, zona glomerulosa, zona fasciculata, and zona reticularis. Each of these secrete three different classes of hormones, which have different functions. The first outermost layer is the zona glomerulosa, which secretes mineralocorticoids. The primary mineralocorticoid is aldosterone, which helps regulate blood pressure by controlling the body's sodium and water levels. Aldosterone causes the body to retain sodium and excrete potassium. As a result, the body holds on to more water, hence raising the blood pressure. This is part of the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system. Next, we have the zona fasciculata, which secretes glucocorticoids such as cortisol. Cortisol is also known as a stress hormone and is secreted as a response to ACTH from the anterior pituitary gland. Cortisol has widespread effects, including metabolism, water and electrolyte balance, the immune response, growth, cardiovascular function, mood and cognitive functions, reproduction and development. And lastly, we have the zona reticularis, which secretes androgens. These are primarily testosterone and androstenedione. Lastly, the medulla of the adrenal gland releases adrenaline, noradrenaline, as well as dopamine. Now that we've covered how the adrenal glands work, let's go over how it responds to exercise. During exercise, the adrenal gland releases more adrenaline. The key actions of adrenaline are part of the body's fight or flight response. These include increased heart rate and blood pressure, expanding of the airways to the lungs, enlarging pupils in the eyes, 
redirecting more blood to the exercising muscle, and lastly, altering the body's metabolism. Adrenaline stimulates the liver to release glucose so that it's available for the brain and accelerates the use of glycogen stores in the muscles. Cortisol also helps with this process by facilitating the breakdown of amino acids from muscle to provide substrate for gluconeogenesis in the liver. What happens to aldosterone levels when we exercise? A study found that acute exercise leads to an increase in aldosterone and angiotensin II. During exercise, the blood flow to the kidneys decreases. This is detected by the juxtaglomerular cells and they produce renin. Renin eventually leads to the formation of angiotensin II, which then goes on to cause aldosterone release. This contributes to sodium and water retention and therefore maintaining the high blood pressure in exercise. Lactate also leads to the release of aldosterone due to its action on zona glomerulosa cells. Lactate is a byproduct of anaerobic respiration and is often produced during strenuous exercises when there is simply not enough blood to supply all the working muscles. So far, we've been over how exercise affects the thyroid gland and the adrenal gland. Next up, we'll be talking about the pancreas. The pancreas plays an integral role in blood glucose regulation. Glucose is an essential component in the processes that take place during exercise. There needs to be more glucose available to be used up by the brain. Under normal conditions, the pancreas is responsible for secreting insulin from beta cells in response to high glucose levels in the blood. During exercise, insulin decreases so that more glucose is available in the blood and so that it can be utilized by active muscles. However, blood flow to the muscles increases, so muscles will see more insulin which will facilitate the uptake of glucose into muscles. Studies have shown that exercise improves insulin resistance, increases insulin sensitivity, increases pancreatic beta cell mass and generally enhances beta cell function. So we can see how regular exercise is an important aspect in the management of type 2 diabetes where there is insulin resistance. Exercise is also the most potent stimulus to increase skeletal muscle GLUT4 receptor expression, which is an effect that may partly contribute to improved insulin action and insulin sensitivity in type 2 diabetes. With its widespread effects on the endocrine system, it's no wonder why exercising is so beneficial for us. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and thank you for listening in. Keep a lookout for next week's episode on another interesting topic. Please follow us on our Aberdeen University Endocrinology Society, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages. Please like and share this podcast with all your friends. And of course, I always welcome any feedback. If you have any requests, then let us know. As always, we're very grateful for the support we're receiving. Before I go, I want to say a big thank you to Zunira Yusuf, our media and publicity assistant who was involved in the making of this episode. Stay safe and happy. This is Hepsi Xavier, signing off. Disclaimer. Aberdeen University Endocrinology Society is a student-led organisation, and the content provided through Endopod is solely for informative purposes. This does not replace advice of a doctor or any other healthcare professional. The medical students involved in the making of this episode are in the third and fourth year of their medical studies. All information provided in this episode was researched on appropriate resources and they're available in the episode description. Thank you for listening.